the headbutt at the Labor Day Classic. Doug Brown joined us to discuss what happened with Pete Robertson from Saskatchewan headbutting Bomber QB Zach Kolaris late in the game. And as you can imagine, he's not too impressed. We also had much to discuss this morning on the election. We are one month out from the provincial election, and we are curious to know if there's more interest this time out, because I'm getting the feeling that there is. We had a great conversation with the owner of Carlos Cucina out in Sandy Hook with a reminder that the Burger Week is not just happening within the Perimeter Highway. And inspired by the stupid headbutt incident at the Labor Day Classic, we asked you to tell us a time that you broke the rules. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who was off today. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, September 5th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today on, uh, quite frankly, a yucky Tuesday morning after what was pretty much, a, I mean, depending where you were, but for for me, it was a lovely long weekend weather-wise. Oh my gosh, it was spectacular. It was, it was downright hot. Yeah. It was up at Lester Beach uh, Friday night through Saturday and into uh, Sunday before got home in time to watch the football game. We'll discuss that throughout the morning. But am I to understand it got to 36, 37 degrees in the city on, yeah. on Saturday? Yeah. It, wow. It was it was an inferno. It was weird because I, I played golf all three days. Uh, Saturday was at Warren, the Whispering Winds of Warren is the name of the golf course out there, and we teed Were off. Were the winds whispering? A little bit. It was a, little, a touch breezy, but not too bad. And uh, it was we teed off around just before 9. So it was warm, but I wouldn't call it hot. And then after we were done golfing, finished around 1 o'clock, and then I got home and decided I'm going to go take in the Le Burger Week offering at the Grove at uh, Stafford and Grosvenor. And I like the name of that uh, burger, by the way. The any, couch potato. Any influence there? No. Just coincidence? Total fluke. Co- right. Total coincidence. Right. And um, I, I would be saying the contrary, but you should be playing that up. It, it that's, was, that's just me. It was yummy. And uh, But then when I left, so I got there, I don't know, around 3 o'clock and was there for maybe an hour and a half. And when I walked outside, I thought, What? Like, where did this come from? Because I, I knew it was going to be warm, that it was going to push 30 degrees, but the fact that it jumped to 36 was it was nuts. We, di- we didn't go to the beach until about 5 o'clock, 5.30 on Saturday evening. Okay. Because it was just, it was, for our group, was too hot to go to the beach. <laughs> so we, uh, we stayed inside and had a little bit of outside and then went down to the beach and captured and experienced a, an incredible Manitoba sunset on Saturday. But, yeah. you know, Sunday was spectacular as well. Yesterday, things, though, you could sort of sense that, that things were beginning to change just a tiny bit. And then I was probably startled and, and sh- shaken out of bed. I went to bed with the windows open last night to take advantage of the cooler temperatures and thunder woke me up around, oh. uh, around two o'clock, two fifteen this morning. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I yeah. didn't, I didn't catch any of that, but yesterday it, it looks like there was a pretty significant system, at least just looking at the radar that was first of all, uh, west of Winnipeg. And then it sort of pushed to areas north of Winnipeg, and that that brought in some unexpected wind because when we were out playing at 
uh, LaSalle yesterday at Kingswood, it wasn't supposed to be windy at all. And then around noon, it picked up to what felt like 30 to 40. And sure enough, it, that's what it measured at 33 to 44 kilometers an hour. And I guess that was a result of being sort of on the, the edge of that system. So I got, we didn't get any rain yesterday, but definitely the wind picked up for a little bit. And now we've got this rain this morning. So it's kind of a gross way to return to work after the long weekend. Like, welcome back. I know you're sleepy, and now we're going to make you more sleepy. <laughs> well, Loren always calls this, you know, we talk about January 1st as the as, as the new year. Yep. But Loren sort of, uh, and I agree with her, this is the start of the year for a lot of folks. As the school year gets underway, we're, we're experiencing a massive shift in our schedules and our obligations change, you know, from here straight through until Christmas into the new year. And so uh, we're getting things underway in a little bit of a uh, a rough a rough fashion here. Adam saying power outage McGilvery to uh, Sterling Line Parkway. All traffic signals are out. All streetlights are out. All oh businesses boy. are out. It is completely black. Reminding everyone four-way stops at intersections. Don't go blaring through. That's a great reminder, Adam. So we'll keep an eye on that situation this morning. And we did ask uh, as one of our questions of the day at cjob.com on Friday, actually about that New Year uh, situation. Do you, cons- with the schedules ramping up and kids going back to school, do you see, uh, do you c- sort of consider September to be more of a new year than January 1st? And the results were roughly 75% no, uh, 25% yes. Question of the day, by the way, for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. And it, you know, it was 21% yes, 79% no. And uh, But I'm, I'm sort of... I sort of... Uh, I, I, I agree with Loren. It's because we're going to be talking a lot about election, the writ expected to be dropped, and the campaign, the provincial election getting going to really kick off and ramp up today. And, the campaign uh, didn't start like five weeks ago? Yeah. And right? the, the official <laughs> yes. campaign. Uh, so much to discuss on that. We've got people going back to school. It's time to buckle down and we enjoyed our summer. Got to lose some weight or whatever. But yeah. And then, uh, of course, we have heading into the weekend. The Banjo Bowl. Banjo Bowl, uh, kind of taking on a, a little bit of a heightened importance, I think, for the Blue Bombers as the, you know, the score and the result sort of overshadowed by the actions of uh, one Pete Robertson of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. What was really, you take that play and that idiot move by Robertson out of the equation, uh, one for the ages in terms of Labor Day classics, even though the Bombers were on the short side of a 32-30 final score going to overtime. I think that's the first time that's happened in the Labor Day classic. And as long as I can remember, maybe the first time ever, I look into that. But the uh, bottom line is the Blue Bombers lose, Saskatchewan wins. And now those standings get a little bit tighter in the West again. Just eight, nine days ago, we were talking about the Blue Bombers being firmly in control of their own destiny. Well, they lose this Saturday at IG Field, and that narrative switches completely all over again. BC won versus Montreal uh, earlier in the weekend to get the Labor Day weekend uh, off to a roaring start. So uh, Doug Brown will join us to find out his take, get his view on what the CFL did. Robertson will be suspended for Saturday's Banjo Bowl. But Brett, I think you made a good point. Maybe some of that's for his own safety. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was wondering when I heard about the suspension, I thought, okay, well, that's that that's a no-brainer. But in the event that he would have played, would the Bombers want to seek retribution? Not trying to encourage that sort of thing, but, you know, teammates tend to want to stand up for their teammates and... Football is a rough game. It is. Oh, usually played within the whistles, right? And so that was what was more bothersome or as bothersome as anything about what Robertson did. It was so blatantly outside the whistles, outside the framework of the game. Yeah. And 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 so violent and so intentional. So uh, we'll get Doug's impression and your impression as well. Coaches show tonight. Seven till eight, but that doesn't mean you can't weigh in now. 204-780-6868, your take on the Blue Bombers performance and Pete Robertson and the Rough Riders and, and what they did managed to do Sunday in Regina. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. Coming up in our next segment, we are going to tell you how you can win tickets for the Banjo Bowl, which is on Saturday. And the topic will be inspired by something ugly that happened on Sunday at the Labor Day Classic between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. After Global News at 7, we will speak to Grant White from Endeavor Wealth Management on how to save money for your kids' education future when you're just struggling to get by on the day-to-day stuff. And then after Global News at 7.30, we need to announce the winner for Cut a Rug. The winner will receive a pair of tickets to see Michael Flatley's Lord of the Dance at the Burton Cummings Theater in November and a $680 gift certificate for a new area rug at Total Flooring. That's a pretty sweet price. Yeah. That'll make you want to dance. It's a good one. All on its own. Well done. And we, we were asking you to submit a video of you cutting a rug of dancing at cjob.com. So we'll find out just after 7.30 who gets that powerful prize. And speaking of powerful, who's joining us just after 7.45 for Breakfast with the Bombers? Yeah, we're going to shift things just a few minutes, one segment, as we would say. Doug Brown, uh, analyst, uh, all-star Canadian football Hall of Famer, will join us. Doug... Uh, <laughs> You heard in Cam Sports, uh, absolutely flabbergasted, disgusted by what we saw from Pete Robertson on uh, on on sa- a Sunday afternoon in Regina. Doug will join us to uh, break down the game. Now with week after week of government announcements and dozens of promises from the party currently in opposition, it may surprise you to learn that the campaigns for the upcoming provincial election, don't officially begin until later today. Yeah, writs of election are expected to drop in the race to elect the next government of Manitoba. The election is scheduled for October 3rd, just 28 days from now, Brett. Education, crime, taxation, and of course, health care will be at the top of the list of issues all parties will be promising to fix. Part of looking forward will be looking back on promises made and promises broken by the two parties who have taken turns forming government since 1969. Our own Richard Cluche kicks off our in-depth focus on issues important to you. Later today, Richard will drop a podcast about the state of personal care homes in our province. He had some extremely open discussions collected during exclusive access to the convalescence home in Winnipeg. We have a sneak peek for you right now. Convalescent home was state-of-the-art in the 1960s. There are many other 
better factors about our home. Sherry Hepner is development coordinator. But just the actual living conditions, it can be very hard for them to accept that this will be where their loved one will be. She is quite frank about the challenges this care home has. What was COVID like on this facility? Horrendous. It has the highest number of shared bedrooms. That's right. In 2023, we still have personal care homes with multiple seniors per room. Being able to contain it was next to impossible. It is one of a handful of personal care homes that experts say must be replaced. It is funded through your tax dollars. We have 15 four-bedrooms and six double-rooms. Sharon Wilms is CEO and Director of Care at the Convalescent Home. She's done this for 17 years. During COVID, it was... um, it was insurmountable, the challenges we faced. If one person in the room uh, got COVID, it was likely that all four in the room got COVID. The curtain did not provide enough of a barrier or any barrier uh, for the transfer of COVID. Successive governments promised change. It never happened under Dewar, Sullinger, Pallister, or Stephenson. I'd say every three or four years, we've come up with a new plan and Unfortunately, those plans have fallen on hard times, change in government. Um, When the NDP was in last, we were told that we were first on the block for a new facility. Uh, The PCs were elected. PCs promised 1,200 new beds. We thought, oh, it's great. We're in in the queue. And here here we wait. So for 17 years, I've heard various promises and nothing's come to fruition. Wilms remains hopeful that the promises made over the next month will result in a new facility and fundamental change for those in our personal care homes now. In addition to new builds, a better staff to client ratio that results in fewer hours in front of a TV screen based upon a model that is revolutionizing care in other parts of the country. We'll learn about uh, what's happening elsewhere In that podcast, which will be released later on this afternoon, thanks to Richard Cloutier for his dedication, hard work on this, the convalescent home of Winnipeg. You could just hear the disappointment, Brett, uh, the idea that, oh, maybe this time we're going to be replaced. Maybe this time the government will do what they promised to do for going on 17 plus years. So whether you are or have loved ones in the personal care system now or on the precipice of needing these services, expansion improvement of the system will impact almost all Manitobans at some point in their lives. We will have extensive coverage through the days ahead on this and other critical election issues. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. We have tickets to give away for the Banjo Bowl, the rematch. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers versus the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Saturday at IG Field after a really close barn burner of a game on Sunday in Regina. Bombers losing 32-30 to in overtime. But something happened in that game that is going to inspire what we are about to discuss. Greg, just uh, summarize what did happen. At the end of a play, actually it was after the whistle, Zach Claris and the Blue Bombers were... Uh, in touchdown in the in the green zone, the red zone, if you like, knocking on the door for a touchdown. Blue Bombers throw an incomplete pass, and Pete Robertson, 
decides that he will get in the face of Blue Bomber quarterback Zach Kolaris and not only yammer at him, jaw at him, try and intimidate him, he literally headbutts Kolaris and uh, down goes Zach. And of course, Zach has had a history of concussion. That's what cost him his uh, career in Saskatchewan. And so, yeah, we want to talk about uh, dumb, dumb things that maybe you've been sanctioned for or maybe things that you've done that you've you've got a, a fitting punishment or an unfitting punishment. That's right. A clear violation of the rules at the Labor Day Classic. So let's discuss rule breaking. Ever break the rules and get punished? Ever break the rules and not get punished, but maybe you still learn from it? Like, wow, I should not have driven so irresponsibly or... Um, you know, maybe there's like a typical rule that you see being broken all the time, perhaps when you're driving or whatever. Uh, do you want to tell us about the worst punishment you got as a kid? Whatever. Lots of ways to go with this. So let's go around the horn here. Uh, Cameron Poitras, why don't we start with you, sir? Well, when you're driving in the mountains and it's winter time and they're out there graveling and sanding, they, they have plenty of signs out there uh, telling you not to pass and to just be patient and wait. Well, when you're... Uh, was I must have been 21, 22, uh, driving home after flying, and I had to go from – I was going back to – I was working in Merritt, B.C., and it was it's a long way to get home from there. It's flying from, from Winnipeg, and that one I went to from Winnipeg to Calgary, uh, from to Edmonton rather than from Edmonton to Calgary, just the way the flight worked out, and then from Calgary to Kelowna. So it was, it was all that, and um, it was the wintertime, and I wanted to get home, and I – you know, I got caught behind some Sanders and I was so frustrated because I just had enough. And, uh, yeah, I decided, all right, I'm going to pass by these, uh, by these vehicles. And I went by and I'll tell you this, my car got pelted. Like you wouldn't believe I got rained on by gravel. My, my windshield got all messed up. Uh, my front end got messed up as well. And that car, I just eventually just left in a parking lot and called some scrap metal guy and said, come pick it up. And <laughs> said, how much money are you going to give give me for it? And he said, I'm not going to give you anything for it. So I said, all right. And I just left it. Um, <laughs> but I paid the price. <laughs> all right. Don't pass the Sanders. Don't pass. Lest you leave your car in a parking lot. Yeah. Never to be seen again. Yeah. Sarah, what about you? Okay, let me preface this story with I am a rule follower. Like, I, I don't generally break the rules, but in grade nine, um, we had the option to buy out of some classes to go to football games or sports games. I don't know if they still do this. I don't Like, it was just like... You could to pay, buy out? To buy out. You could pay two bucks and you could go to the football game. I'm like, oh, okay. Let me do that. But needless to say, I didn't get the buyout in time. That's like There's a only- weird Ontario thing. <laughs> it must be. Um, I didn't get the buyout in time, Never heard of that though. In Oh, and no, it's okay. It's okay. It's a weird concept. <laughs> anyway, you could pay to not go to class. Um, so I didn't get it in time, though. They only allow so many tickets, I guess. Um, but my friends were just egging me on and debated making a fake one because you have to like still show up to class and give this like ticket to say like, "Hey, I'm going to the game instead." And uh, but sounds after- like a scam. <laughs> it sounds like an internet scam. Where's Where's the money it's going? Like, Where did the money go? I think go? it went to like school dances and stuff. No. To, like put on like other events (laughs) anyway (laughs) after much debate i just decided to skip the class um i was never 
punished. Nothing ever happened. But the guilt, the personal guilt, just tore me apart. Sounds yeah. like Prince. So, sounds like Principal Smith went home with a little <laughs> bit of a bonus. That's what I'm thinking, Cam. So uh, sorry, mom and dad. I still feel uh, guilty. What grade that. is this? This was grade nine. Okay. So still feel bad to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enjoy the football game? It was at least? great. Yeah. We okay. Won. Right. Okay. It. Good. Yeah. Well, go drive. <laughs> <laughs> Got to fund that whiskey in the teachers' lounge. Uh, Forte, what about you? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what story to say. Uh, I've broken the rules a few times. Okay, uh, I'll say this one. In high school, let's just say I got busted for smoking the reefer. <laughs> the reefer. Sorry, at school? <laughs> at school, yes. What, what grade was this, sorry? Grade 10. <laughs> grade 10. It was the last day of school before Christmas break, all right? Got last it. day of school for Christmas break. Me and my <laughs> buddy, you know, went and sparked a joint and... Uh, like, like indoors? Hit. No, 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 no. Out, out, outside, outside. Okay. But uh, I guess a parent saw us and called the school, and uh, the principal came and grabbed us and Mm-mm. brought us to the office, had to phone our parents, and uh, got suspended for five days. So Whoa. I got an extra long uh, <laughs> Christmas break. <laughs> and uh, it was with my best friend, who's my next door neighbor. And um, so he would come over <laughs> during our suspension, and we'd. <laughs> Watch Pirates of the Caribbean. So, uh, and was there more of this illicit product? I'm, I'm going to have to plead the fifth on this one. <laughs> all, of a sudden, all of a sudden, Jess' microphone's not working. <laughs> and what about you, Macklin? Oh boy, I guess I guess mine goes back to grade nine as well. Uh, you know how your mom always said she would find out mm-hmm. all the stuff. Well, my mom did always find out. And we decided to have a skip day, unauthorized skip day. It wasn't a formal thing. Mm -hmm. I think it was an early dismissal on a Tuesday afternoon. About 20 of us decided, ah, instead of going to school, we're just going to, we had phys ed anyway as a group. So we decided we were going to go to the Cindy Clausen pool for the afternoon. And we went home and my mom asked me uh, what we did in uh, phys ed. On Tuesday afternoon, I said, oh, play football. It's like we always do, mom. Really? Really? Um, they play football at the Cindy Clausen pool? Oh. She knew exactly where I was, how long oh. I'd been there. The school had called, oh. and my mom always said, admit your crime, and the punishment shall be reflective of your honesty. But, of course, mm. I tried to lie my way out of it. <laughs> Missed out on a party that weekend. Oh, no. Yep. The sanction fell. The hammer came down. And uh, was a pretty good party, from what I understand. Not as good as Forche's parties, though. <laughs> well, well, just uh, just an FYI. When my mom had to come pick me up at the school, uh, she goes, "You know, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed." <laughs> and that always hurts so much more. It's like, oh no. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. We are asking you at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Uh, about a time you broke the rules and got caught for it, or maybe maybe you didn't, but you you still learned a valuable lesson. This is inspired by Pete Robertson of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who got suspended for a game for headbutting Zach Caleros on Sunday. And uh, what do we have from uh, somebody when they were 17? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Brett. This is from Ernie. At 17 years old, I went to a social with my buddies. Before leaving home, my, war- my mom warned me not to come home drunk. I did what she said. I didn't come home at all for two days. 
Needless to say, it was a long time till I drove my car again. Sometimes you can take those instructions a little bit too literally. Yeah. Ernie did the right thing. Hopefully, that meant he didn't drive anywhere, but uh, that's, a, that's a solid play, but you're probably not getting away with that one. <laughs> Clearly, Ernie did not. Chris says, fourth grade, Christmas concert, nine years old. I didn't want to leave, so I was threatened with grounding. I pushed back and called Dad's bluff. He told me I'd be grounded until my birthday. I stood my ground. Big mistake, grounding, enforced. My birthday is in June. Lesson learned, sentence paid in full. Now my kids cannot handle losing their tablet for a day. If they only knew. Oh, I get the, that's your only go-to is to take my phone away? (laughs) What would you like? Can't you be more creative than that? Are you kidding? (laughs) That was a couple of years ago. You know, we went through that defiant stage where, you know, I was the worst dad in the world and you're terrible (laughs) and you don't love me and, you know, all these things. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I got that. Oh boy! You did want you to get see? more creative? <laughs> you better believe I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the dumb, the dumb things we say to oh, our parents. Yeah. Challenge, challenge, challenge me. Go ahead, I dare you? <laughs> uh, question of the day, by the way, at cjob.com for Mister Furnace. Don't call them first; you'll see why. Call Mister Furnace at two zero four eight three two sixty two forty three. What do you think of the fact that he's been suspended for just one game? One game is enough. He should be suspended for multiple games. He should be suspended for the rest of the season. Cast your vote, cjob.com. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. And boy, oh boy, it lived up to its billing. The Labor Day Classic. A finish for the ages. A game which will long be remembered as much for the final result as it will be for a brutal display of unsportsmanlike behavior by Saskatchewan defensive lineman Pete Robertson. Four and a half to go. Kolaris play action. He wants it to the end zone. That one tipped at the line of scrimmage and incomplete. Oh! And then he's pushed down late by Micah Johnson. Dobson wants the call. Oliveira is mad at somebody. How is that not a penalty? It's a late hit on Zach Kolaris. After the play's dead, he absolutely gets knocked down on the field by Robertson, and nothing is called. Unless that was a phantom play, Zach Kolaris, I don't know how he ends up on the ground without contact unless he absolutely take it, took a dive. Here comes the late flag right now. There we go. Play. We have a major foul. Unnecessary roughness. Saskatchewan number 45. We're going to go up half the distance. It's going to be first down for Winnipeg. Yeah, no phantom call there. Derek Taylor and Doug Brown in the broadcast booth Sunday evening from Regina. The Riders prevailed in overtime, a thrilling 32-30 victory for the home side, if not completely overshadowed by Robertson's actions and the inaction of officials to eject him from the game. Here's Kolaros in conversation with Derek and Doug post-game. Nothing in this league surprised me, Doug. That, that's one of the worst things, worst displays of football I've ever seen from a defensive player. Five I mean, seconds I've after seen the it all play, time this league. It, it happens all the time. It, it, the fact that he wasn't ejected, if he's playing in the Banjo Bowl, I mean, that's... Would it surprise you if he was? 
I, it would. I, I mean, I wouldn't for me because it was just so. Go just watch the tape every week. It was. That was one of the worst football players I've ever seen out yeah, there. This and, is the uh, CFL. Yeah. 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 That was brutal, man. Yeah. I just wanted to let you know that. Thanks. You were surprised it wasn't called initially, then? Yes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, honestly, nothing surprises me. Honestly, nothing. <clears throat> what? Well, how did we get to this point? Do you think it's you, been this way since I've been in the league at least? I don't know before. About probably a lot of good quarterbacks that aren't in the league anymore probably still be playing. Powerful indictment of the way the game is played and officiated. Blue Bomber legend Doug Brown joins us now on Breakfast with the Bombers. Uh, morning, Doug. Is Zach right? Is this sort of thing more common than we realize? You know, he, he's obviously more sensitive to it. He's obviously more in tune with it uh, due to his position, his standing in the league, and, and obviously his history of, of injuries that he's had in this football league. So hard to argue with him. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, I went after and hit quarterbacks for a living, so I, I, I certainly wasn't paying as close attention to it as he is. But, you know, he has had a, a history of, uh, you know, a, a lot of cheap shots have happened against Zach Kolaris and uh this happens to be one of one of the worst, mainly because you know it, it's not just the it's not the magnitude of the of the shot. First of all, it happened after the whistle, and if there's ever a time in a football game where you relax your guard and you're not braced for contact, it's at the end of a play after the whistle's been blown. And and with Zach's injury history, you know, going up and headbutting a guy like Zach Kolaris is like walking up to someone with a partially detached retina and poking them in the eye. It's uh, you know he's one. The reason he was traded unceremoniously out of Saskatchewan to Toronto is because everyone thought he was, you know, one helmet-to-helmet uh, -helmet hit away from having his career ended. So to have a, a play like that, you know, threaten his health when he's battled for so long to get back on the field and, and be a durable, successful player, a real – it's an unbelievable story, his resurgence to the top of the quarterbacking. And to have a guy after the whistle, um, you know, unprovoked – and without warning, uh, headbutt him in, in a place he's been susceptible and vulnerable. It's, it's just unacceptable. And uh, a one-game uh, suspension is the least they could have done. He should have been ejected from that game. So does the, the suspension, uh, I mean, besides being the right thing, does that suspension prevent things from potentially getting out of hand on Saturday? I don't know. I don't know about that. There's, uh, there's a lot of bad blood. There were a lot of significant penalties uh, in that game from Saskatchewan, uh, especially they're not a very disciplined football team. And uh, I could see, you know, if the, if the bombers uh, get, a, if there's a score disparity, any way, shape or form one side or the other, I could see uh, this thing certainly uh, getting away um, from the officials and it could be an ugly contest. Doug, it's just unfortunate that this is what we're talking about because it was, an outstanding game. The result, uh, you know, yeah. aside, was quite the roller coaster ride. Claris had five yards passing through 20 minutes, 28 minutes or so of that first half before orchestrating a touchdown drive for the Blue Bombers. Oh, they're only points in the first half. The defense gives up 326 yards passing to a quarterback in his second full game as the Riders QB. Uh, you know, he's their third string quarterback, Doug. Should, should he be shredding the defense like that? That was a little bit surprising. Um, uh, honestly, I give uh, full credit to Saskatchewan's uh, defense for you know the pressure they were able to get on Zach. You could see that Zach was very uncomfortable in the pocket, and and conversely, you know I was very surprised by how the the Bomber defense kind of treated uh, 
Dolagala with kid gloves on and, and did not pressure him more. Uh, when you have an inexperienced quarterback at the helm, uh, to me, you know, if you're not getting if you're not getting home consistently with with four rushers, you keep adding until you do, because you know he's going to make him make a mistake at some point. And, and to me, you know, what was real disappointing was was in the overtime stanza. You know, the Bombers didn't blitz him a single time, and so you got a guy making his third start, Jake Dolagala, standing in the pocket, super comfortable. Uh, not being rushed, and he's able to make a calm and, and uh, rational decision, not under any duress whatsoever. So uh, it was uh, a very different approaches. The Riders were really able to get after Zach Kolaris in this game. And conversely, you know, uh, the Bombers had problems trying to get to Dalagala. Speaking with Doug Brown this morning for breakfast with the Bombers. And the Bombers, Doug, they went up 24-20 to with just four minutes remaining. And then at the three-minute mark, Jamal Parker gives up the rouge to make it 24-21. Was that a mistake on Parker's part? Yeah, well, not a, not according to the coaching staff, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a field position versus a score thing, right? And uh, uh, coaches are, are much more in tune to the game. Um, I would uh, I would suggest than uh, than us that are observing and spectating. It was a little confusing, um, but you know the way it played out, it was uh, it was just a very tough contested football game, and uh, you know I, I'm not going to second guess that call just because you know I understand the reasons why they did it. Uh, it doesn't mean I have to like it. But I'm sure there's a lot of players watching film and, and reviewing that game uh, that, this, that the Winnipeg Blue Bomber uh, coaching staff and players would like back. Doug, uh, we've got to let you run after this. But speaking of review and, and film, I'm surprised that that two-point convert on the overtime touchdown by Saskatchewan didn't seem to be reviewed at all. I, you know, I'm not going to stake the life of my kids on it or anything, but I'm pretty sure yeah. that that ball was not caught. Ball. Yeah, I was trapped, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it happens so fast. And you got to get the right camera angle. And, you know, Saskatchewan was, was very aware that it was a, a questionable play. And it, it's really hard. You know, even from the, the tape that was available, it looks dubious, right? That's for sure. It does not look like uh, there's any certainty in terms of the, the fact that that player was not aided by, you know, trapping the ball on the ground. So uh, there's a lot of bad things that happened. I mean, uh, the calls went both ways, and uh, it, it was just unfortunate. You know, the Bombers lost that game in overtime, and, and then they had the ugly play uh, against Zach Kolaris as well. Good news is that the Banjo Bowl is not far away. It's, uh, it's a short turnaround uh, to uh, Saturday's opportunity to make uh, a lot of wrongs right for this football squad. Doug, thank you very much. Always appreciate it, sir. Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. Coming up at 8.35, we're hoping to speak to somebody. It's going to be on Global News Morning, actually, at 8.20. To just deliver a reminder that Le Burger Week is not just taking place in Winnipeg. And this comes up every time we, we, we discuss it because we are, the, the audience for CJOB expands beyond the perimeter. And many of our listeners never hesitate to give us that reminder. Hey! What about the places who are participating outside of Winnipeg? And it's not just one week, it's two weeks. Yeah. So lots of reminders, lots of things to talk about. And hey, 
We are the number one participating province by a mile for this thing. Something that started in Montreal and Manitoba has sort of taken over and said, yeah, you want to see the burger week? Come to Manitoba. We'll show you how it's done. So we're going to speak to somebody, hopefully at 835, who's just north of the city and actually, I, I believe, a former champion wow. of the Burger Week. So, so there you go. All right. That's coming up at 835, hopefully. In the meantime, right now, RCMP have a word of caution for parents. As the kids head back to school this week, be careful what you post on social media. Yeah, well, social media feeds will have all kinds of back-to-school pictures this week from excited parents. But maybe that's not such a good thing. RCMP Sergeant Paul Maneg joins us now. Sergeant, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. These uh, pictures can uh, have uh, incredibly detailed information in them as well. Those chalkboard signs that, that are very familiar by now on social media. Why do we need to be so careful with not only just sharing the picture in the first place, but all that information, Paul? Well, it's just important for the the parents to realize, like some of this information, if they post too much, can be used. Uh, you got possibly, you know, online predators or someone, perhaps seeking out, you know, the photos or information, perhaps on residences. Like, it could be a whole host of issues uh, with some of the photos and the manner in which they're posted could be used. What sort of stuff should should we be paying attention to? Before we post, because you might take a picture and just think, oh, that's a great picture. And then away you go. But uh, without examining the fine details, so what sort of things should we, should we be mindful of? I think the importance is um, the photo itself. Uh, like I say, you probably just want to keep it outside. You don't need to be sharing uh, uh, what you have in your house or even an address. Sometimes, like, you know, you want to take that photo in front of the house. Well, now you're giving an address possibly. Um, you, you don't want to have names or anything like that. You know, people don't need to know the names of your children unless you want certain people to know. Uh, if, if there's those people stalking out uh, schools or certain for certain children, if they know the names, where to go, uh, gives them a leg up and perhaps making that attempt uh, for a luring complaint or anything like that. So you want to keep that information to a minimum. What are you seeing in terms of complaints or reports from the public on this from is this something that people come to RCMP about that that they're being harassed or that the you know that their kids are being lured how how much has this increased over the years sergeant well it's, it's probably important for me to speak to like i say it's not something that we receive a lot of complaints of it's just something we want to try and just get that information out there just so that it's not becoming a growing issue uh, if you know early on on how to put out these photos or what information not to include, like I say, it really limits the calls that we do receive. But we, like I say, we do get a few calls uh, for sure, if, you know, several calls a year in relation to uh, people knowing too much information or attempting, you know, there's these suspicious vehicles that come to schools, people making attempts. Um, we don't know what their intent is for these people, but like I say, you just don't want to, take that chance and have someone know more than they need to know. But we're not, the message isn't like, we're not saying don't post pictures at all, right? No, for sure. Like I said, it's a great time for a lot of these young kids that are excited to go back to school. And a lot of the parents are excited too. And for sure, we encourage that. Like I say, we're just trying to ask a reminder just to keep, uh, like I say, that personal in information uh, from a minimum. Like for young kids, it's like I say, it's, you know, what school, what grade, what age, what who's our teacher. Like some people like put way too much and 
you just don't want to have that information circling. And like I say, as you get older, it's just no different than an adult posting, you know, where they live. This is my banking information. Like I say, it's we're just trying to fit the information we want you to put out there to the age of the child and, and like I say, keep it to a minimum. Yeah, I know parents back in the day before social media didn't like having their kids' names on their hockey jackets. You know, there was a lot of information there in terms of uh, the community center or the team they played for, their position, their name, et cetera. So, you know, the concerns about child's safety go way back before social media. Before we let you run here, though, Sergeant, uh, also uh, school zones, a reminder from RCMP that uh, driving safely in school zones and around school buses, uh, which might be a, a larger problem than, than anything else uh, right now. Absolutely. On the traffic side of things, that's probably where we're going to see most of the complaints in a school year is um, vehicles not being patient for school buses that are stopping or slowing down. If they have their stop signs uh, extended, the lights are flashing. At this point, you need to stop. And it's like it's over a $700 fine or very near it. Um, A lot of school buses now have cameras or taking pictures like people just need to be patient. Uh, wait for the buses to do their job. Uh, the school zones, 30, they're clearly marked. Uh, there's no excuse. If you, if, you, if you don't like the area, then go go elsewhere where you don't have to slow down. But for the, for the moment now, like say these school zone kids are going back this week, so now we need to pay attention. RCMP Sergeant Paul Maneg, thank you very much for the time. Was appreciate, we appreciate it as always. Not a problem. Thank you. Have a great morning. And on the subject of back to school, we will be live on location tomorrow morning at J.B. Mitchell. In River Heights, Mackling McGarry and McNabb going back to school. An exciting time. I, I, I will tell you, I'm actually the thought of go, going to a school makes me nervous. <laughs> Why, Brad? I don't know. I just get nervous when I go into schools for some reason. I guess just the thought of having to go back to a classroom. It's like, oh, well, I, I sometimes have dreams that I that I like. I'm going back to school that I've re-enrolled in university or whatever, and then I forgot to finish this assignment and I wake up in like a full panic. I still owe uh, Mr. Avon a four page essay on Julius (laughs) Caesar from grade nine (laughs) river Heights and Brandon. Uh, Mr. Avon, you're not getting that paper. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. Before we say hello to our next guest, who is having a pretty exciting week thus far, we need to remind you we've got Banjo Bowl tickets to give away. We're asking you about a time he maybe broke the rules, inspired by Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Pete Robertson, who headbutted Zach Caleros. This is, uh, as I describe, a travesty of justice in grade eight, Oak Bank. Listener says, I sat behind this girl who kept her D-ring binder on the floor. One day, her rings were bent, and I was accused of stepping on them. It happened to be anti-bullying week. Let's just say the school took this very seriously, and I had lunch detention for the entire week. Despite my pleas of innocence, the only time in my entire school history I have had a multi-day detention, and to this day, 16 years later, I insist I did not touch her binder. Well, that's a long time to insist on one's innocence. So I'm inclined to, uh, to believe you. We demand an inquiry. Yes, an inquiry <laughs> shall be sought. And uh, yeah, oh, nothing worse than detention. I had to scrape uh, bubblegum 
off the top of the lockers in grade nine. Oh, good times. Yeah, oh, it was fun. <laughs> so we're going to pick a winner at 9.15 for the Banjo Bowl tickets. In the meantime, as we've been telling you, in case you haven't noticed on social media, uh, you probably have because I know my social media is flooded with pictures. La Burger Week began on Friday. It's actually two weeks but every time we talk about La Burger Week, Greg, we are reminded by many listeners that it's not just inside the perimeter highway. And this particular place we're about to discuss uh, is gets tons and tons of support from our audience. That's right. One of the offerings outside of Winnipeg hails from Sandy Hook, that part of our province, a beautiful part of our province on the west side of Lake Winnipeg. Carlos Cucina. Carlo Cucci is the owner. Carlo, good morning, my friend. Nice to uh, nice to have you in the studio. How are you today? Good morning, guys. I'm great. So we understand you're already off to a flying start with uh, Le Burger two weeks. Tell us uh, what the first handful of days has been like. Uh, it's been crazy. It's been crazy down at Carlos Cucina. There have been so many people coming in and flooding us, and we really appreciate all the support. And uh, it's crazy. It's been a nuthouse. Are you leading so far? Like, because you can vote on uh, the website and and rate and vote, and you know you've had some success in the past in that. Yeah, after four days, we're currently leading the country right now. Quite thankful for that opportunity. You've been a champ before. Yeah, I won in two thousand and twenty-one, number one in the country, and uh, we came second place last year. Wow. Yeah. Now, during my time in the restaurant business, there was one uh, outfit I worked for for a very long time in particular that that talked about the idea of romancing the mm-hmm. food. So why don't you uh, pretend we've just sat down and you're going to romance this burger that you've got for La Burger Week this year. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, and uh, I- I'm anxious to to salivate with, within my mind here. It's exceptional, you guys. Um, this burger is called the Magnifico I went with my family roots on this uh, on this burger. Um, I did a Arberg Bakery um, focaccia bread bun uh, for starters. So I mean, when you make an Italian burger, you got to start with that focaccia because it makes it. Um, from there, I made a, a caponata, which is like a, a, a Canadian ratatouille in Italian. It's called caponata. It has like roasted red peppers and. Roasted garlic, uh, roasted eggplant, uh, you know, roasted tomatoes, onions, um, chili flakes, a little bit of chili flakes. It has uh, capers, a little bit of celery, and um, chopped up green olives. It's absolutely phenomenal. I'm just looking at the picture right now at LeBurgerWeek.com, and it looks delicious and it also, it, it doesn't look like it's too much. Like a lot of these burgers, and not knocking it, but a lot of these burgers are pretty wacky. And this looks like something that is a bit more manageable. But when it comes to creating new recipes for this event, uh, do you ever find it difficult to come up with a recipe? Or do you ever try something where you go, no, that sucks. That doesn't work. No. My, um, it's crazy to say this, but... Um, my palate is uh, beyond that. I when I create a burger, it's there's a lot of thought process that goes into it, but it's it's pretty easy for us. Uh, it, it sounds crazy, but it's super easy to put a couple flavors together that you know that will taste phenomenal. 
And, uh, yeah, it was quite easy to, once uh, my mom said to me, you know, uh, let's put this caponata on there and then you can do the rest, Carlo. And I was like, I got it. I got all the right components to make a winning burger, I promise. This this sounds like a charcuterie board on a <laughs> burger. Yeah. Am, am, I, am, I, am I close on yeah, that? You're, yeah, you're very close. Um, what I didn't tell you guys was that there's – uh, Bothwell mozzarella on top of that. There's also uh, an Italian meat, an Italian salami, which is called suprasata. Um, it's similar to calabrese, but it's uh, a little softer, which it makes it less chewy. Um, and then I put um, arugula with black cracked pepper and uh, Himalayan salt with uh, extra virgin olive oil. So you can kind of like taste Italy right in this burger, and you don't even have to travel there. So it's it's quite remarkable. Our guest in studio is Carlo Guzzi, the owner of Carlo's Cucina, out in Sandy Hook as we discuss Le Burger Week. And Le Burger Week is, for many restaurants, a huge event. For others, it's kind of a pain. But in terms of the access that it provides to people who maybe have never been to your restaurant, um, how many people come through the door to try your burger who have never been to your restaurant, maybe otherwise wouldn't have gone to Carlos Cucina? Well, during La Burger Week, we see anywhere between thirty-five and 5,000 people that come through uh, for La Burger Week, which sounds crazy. Um, you guys, Winnipeg Beach, Sandy Hook, uh, we're in the interlake, so we're about uh, 50 kilometers from Winnipeg. I wouldn't even think in my mind that that many people would come through for La Burger Week. But because we've been put on the map in 21 and we were also in the map in 22, people just give us that shot in 23. And it's 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 very remarkable. We've had uh, over 1,500 people come uh, just this past weekend and come and try uh, our La Burger Week burger. So does this force you to alter your menu over the next couple of weeks? Have you got to back off on some other things in terms of prep? Because I know that's a, that's a big deal, is you know your your par numbers and all that stuff. Yeah, I make a I make a pretty strict men, menu for the for the two weeks. I try to offer my 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 La Burger Week burger, and then three or four other little burgers to also throw on there. Uh, something for the kids, um, exotic drinks, and so on and so forth. But yeah, no, it's. We see a lot of people, you guys, coming through, and I mean, we wanted to say thank you to uh, to the province and everybody that supports us because during the Burger Week, is it's for all the marbles, and uh, I guess I would say at this point, Manitoba knows how ex- how important it is for us uh, to be a, a front runner of uh, La Burger Week because we are, you know, in in a such a small town. Well, and your restaurant isn't too far from a cottage that belongs to that of Hal Anderson, the host of Connecting Winnipeg here on 680 CJOB. And he featured something a few months back in Hal's Kitchen that actually our producer Jeff Forte says he wants to try. What is the Hercules challenge? <laughs> uh, I, I I almost had a feeling you guys were going to ask me about that. The The Hercules is a, a 12, pa- 12 certified Angus beef patty with one bonus chicken burger. So it's a 13 patty burger. (laughs) I know it sounds crazy. Um, You got 37 minutes to eat it or less. Uh, Currently the pot right now is at $640. 
And after Le Burger Week, we'll have another two weeks left for somebody to try to win this because we really want to give this money away. So there's a place in Aurelia, Ontario, Weber's Burgers. Maybe you're familiar with oh, yeah. it. It's on Highway 11. And I can remember the news doing a story on this place decades ago that they had to have a parking lot on both sides of the highway. And now they've built an overpass wow. to, to make wow. sure that people are safe getting from, from the, I think it's the southbound parking lot over to Weber's. Uh, any truth to the rumor that uh, Heather Stephenson has promised an overpass <laughs> across uh, the highway so, so people can get to your place safely? Well, I I can't see them building an overpass there on <laughs> Highway 9, but, uh, you know, we have quite a big parking lot there at Carlos Cucina, so, yeah, it's pretty safe in our parking lot, that's for sure. Where exactly is is the restaurant for those who, you mentioned Highway 9, so if I'm heading up Highway 9, where would I spot your location? So as soon as you come into Winnipeg Beach, we're about uh, two minutes up the road, still on Highway 9, we're at the Sandy Hook RV Park. We're in the front part of uh, that on Highway 9. You can't miss us. We got a 10-foot sign. People always say that they drive by and they can't see our sign. Well, I guess I need about a 25-foot sign <laughs> at that point. What's the name of those? Uh, yeah, Wacky what? Waving Inflatable Arm Flailing Tube Man. That's wacky Waving one. Inflatable Arm <laughs> Flailing Tube Man. I think maybe you, you need to invest in a couple of those. But although it, it sounds as though you may not be able to handle any more business, Carlo. Uh, we can always uh, take in more. Yes, a true entrepreneur. Yeah, no, we can always take in more. We uh, we appreciate uh, everybody coming through and uh, and supporting us. It's it's been quite a crazy road, that's for sure. Are you open year round or is it seasonal? I actually, so in Sandy Hook uh, is our summer location. We close there uh, around October second, and then we take about ten days, and then we move over to the Winnipeg Beach Curling uh, Community Center. So we're there, and we run our winters there, um, and then we go back over to uh, Sandy Hook. Just the only reason Sandy Hook isn't um, isn't insulated, so it would be a cold uh, a cold burger at that point. It would be like an ice burger. Carlo Guzzi is the owner of <laughs> Carlo's Cucina in Sandy Hook. The name of the burger for La Burger Week, which is actually two weeks, is the Magnifico. And you can see the picture and then once you consume it, vote on it at LaBurgerWeek.com. Currently leading across the country. Carlo, pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. Reminder, we have tickets to give away for the Banjo Bowl. We are asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us about a time you broke the rules, got caught for it. Maybe you didn't get caught, but still learned a valuable lesson inspired by Pete Robertson of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who headbutted Zach Kalaris on Sunday at the Labor Day Classic and got suspended for a game. But as we've been telling you in Global News with Sarah McCarthy, of course, today is a big day, writ day. So we'll be hearing all kinds of discussions in the coming weeks about varying topics for the provincial election. But I don't. I just wanted to ask you, G-Mac, um, I got I people, you know, friends of mine who never talk to me about politics are taking a rather keen interest in this particular race. Uh, so I'm just I'm getting the feeling that there is a genuine like 
curiosity as to how this is going to play out. Is that, are you seeing that as well? Yeah, I think there's a real sense that as a province, we're at a crossroads. I would argue that worldwide, right, we're in an economic situation that would dictate any election is going to have some implications and conversation about what does the future look like in terms of deficits and future spending and and can your jurisdiction weather what's going on in the world right now in terms of the financial situation, increasing interest rates, people, you know, battling inflation and what's the best approach to that. So, yeah, I think that's probably right, Brett, because, you know, uh, we made fun of Brian Pallister, you know, a little bit with regard to his uh, idea about uh, putting it or keeping it on the kitchen table. Well, I think it's those kitchen table issues that are important to people right now. How much money, you know, I'm working hard right now. Everything I buy costs more than it did last year, two years, three years ago. So how much money am I going to have left in my pocket? Sometimes it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. And I know you hate that yourself, the idea of picking between the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. And and so we're already seeing, in my mind, a little bit of an unusual approach. Uh, on one hand, you've got Wab Canoes promising to hire more paramedics, more doctors, more nurses, reopen these ERs. And let's just pretend for a minute that the money exists to do those things. Where are you going to get the people? Like, are these realistic prob- promises? And on the other hand, you've got to infer- one, for instance, a conversation about crime. I'm just on the Instagram um Instagram account of uh, Regine Caron, who's uh, running in Fort Rouge head to head with Wab Canoe in his riding uh, for the PCs. And she's had a, she's had an ad and there's a bunch a bus bench out there that essentially says, we know crime is bad right now, but it's going to get even worse if the NDP become government. That's an odd, that's an odd stance in my mind. You know, I haven't heard a lot about the, the PCs, defending their record and what they've done, just that if you elect these guys, things are going to get even worse. Yeah. And you did mention, you, as you mentioned, the having to pick between the lesser of two evils. Like, what did, what was the, you mentioned that the two parties, the Conservatives and the, the NDP, have been trading spots as our government since, what, 1969? 1969, since Ed Schreier's first government in 69. Okay. And, of course... Uh, in a lot of circumstances, it's been a, a couple of a couple of terms, but typically it's it's not three. It has been once, maybe twice, but normally it's a couple of terms, and then people are prepared to to make a change in this part of the world. Yeah, and that, so that I think that's also part of the frustrating thing for a lot of people is even though they're not the only two parties, you know that it's going to be one or the other who will emerge victorious. And like the the conversation I had yesterday was guy pointed out all the things he hates about the conservatives and then all the things he hates about the NDP and didn't really like anything about either of them. But so he's wondering like, well, okay, so what do I, then what do I do? Because he wants to vote and wants to participate, but it, it comes down to the lesser of two evils. And, or often we see, and I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen this time, but I know when uh, Greg Salinger was ousted, I think a lot of people didn't vote for the Conservatives or Brian Pallister. They voted against 
Greg Selinger and the NDP after, you know, the fiasco with the Rebel Five and all that stuff that was going on there. And that was the people said, okay, it's time for a change. I'm not necessarily endorsing this this change, but the ND, at the time, the NDP, people, some people thought that it's time to go. Oh, they look like a lost party. Uh, I would argue the leader, you mentioned Greg Selinger by name, was uh, completely oblivious to the impact that, you know, some of the youngest, brightest members of his, of his caucus turning on him, what impact that would have, uh, the, the idea of not stepping down and stepping aside, even though it was clear that's what a majority of people in the NDP wanted. He survived by like a handful or two hands full of votes, a, a challenge to his leadership. So, you know, when you have a when you have a party like that, that's already in trouble internally, you have to wonder if they have a hope and heck of of surviving and, and winning an election. Well, we know the answer as to what happened seven years ago. Are we in a similar situation this time around? I know there are questions for some folks about the ability of Heather Stephenson to lead the PCs uh, through another term in government. It's going to be fascinating stuff, Brett. So each Tuesday and Thursday, starting next week, for the next few weeks, we are going to be looking at a variety of topics that are important to you on the election front. Affordability, child poverty, crime and justice, addictions and mental health, housing and homelessness, and health care will be six of the big ones we'll be covering. But of course, there will be lots to discuss through the coming weeks. In the meantime, make sure you check out Richard Cloutier's podcast series that he'll be uh, starting to release later today at cjob.com on all things elections. Today's uh, piece is on care homes and the state of care homes in Manitoba. Mackling and McGarry McNabb's off today. Banjo Bowl tickets up for grabs. We're asking you about a time, just like Pete Robertson when he broke the rules and got suspended for headbutting Zach Kolaris on... Sunday at the Labor Day Classic, what's the time you broke the rules and either got caught or maybe got away with it and hopefully learned a lesson nonetheless. George, one of our runners up here. George says I was about 15, going to Ken Seaford for junior high in Maples, which is now Maples High School. Had this art teacher named Mr. Zook, and he had a two-seater Fiat car. It was a nice summer day. I decided at lunchtime, me and about four of my friends, were going to lift his car up. And just carry it to the boulevard and put it there. So he did it with extreme ease. He came out of the doors, walked towards his car, looked around, didn't see it in the parking lot. And then he looked to the boulevard where the grass was and just covered his face in his mouth with awe. This looking, the face expression was hilarious just to walk to his car, jump in, drove it off. And left. Now, I never got caught for doing this, but about 30 years later, I bumped into one of the English teachers from the school. This was in line at Safeway grabbing some meds on Jefferson Avenue, and I confessed to her at the time that it was me and a few other buddies that lifted his car up and put it on the boulevard. She said, you know, when he got back into the staff room after lunch, he laughed about it. So... He wasn't too worried about it. Didn't take it serious. He was a real good sport. <laughs> That's pretty cool that he found out about that 30 years later. But in the meantime, Greg, our winner today is Steve. In high school, I was your nice, smart, law-abiding, rule-following student. But in early May of grade 11, a group of us, four boys, of which I was the ringleader, decided to skip school every Friday afternoon to go horseback riding at Sunshine Stables just off Ness and Sturgeon Road at Saskatchewan Avenue. On the fourth Friday, as we prepared to skip out, my homeroom and English lit teacher accosted us 
in the hallway. And where do you think you are going, young man? He intoned loudly. The jig was up. We're going horseback riding, sir. You are, eh? And last Friday? And the Friday before that? He was incredulous. Yes, sir, I replied on behalf of the boys. After what seemed like a lengthy pause, my teacher sucked in his breath, and with a wave of his hand, he said, All right, be gone with you. <laughs> we had received tacit approval to skip classes, I, I guess. So we took off. Just remember that you have a test on Tuesday on Shakespeare, he hollered after us. We skipped all the remaining Fridays of the school year. After that, to go horseback riding and being one of the better students, I aced the test on <laughs> Tuesday. Ah, Steve, well done. And just for even the use of the words intoned and tacit <laughs> well, in the same text message. He could be teaching English lit himself, it sounds like. Good, Steve. Good job, Steve. You're going to the banjo bowl. We got more tickets to give away through the rest of the week.